everyone, welcome back to Let's Talk. My name is John, and today here on the channel, we're going to give you guys a special video. I want to give you guys my thoughts about the movie business, the future of it, whether it be in movie theaters or the future of physical media. I just want to give you guys my opinion of what I see is going on and where I think things are going to change as the future just gets closer and closer to us and what I think the movie business is going to end up, whether I think it's a good or a bad thing. And this is just my thoughts. It's just going to be my opinion. If you guys disagree with me, feel free to comment in the comment section below. If you agree with me, same thing. Feel free to comment in the comment section below but I've just had a lot of thoughts about this and you know I'm starting to get a little bit worried especially looking at the summer box office you know you guys have probably seen me or heard me talk about this this summer has been filled with just box office failures now the box office in general isn't that bad right now it's actually just slightly below what it was doing last year it's not an out and out failure like many people will make you think even when I'm talking about summer box office I talk about it like not being that good and really it's the films themselves that aren't doing that good people are still going to the theaters not as much as they were that's for sure especially not as much as they were before the 2020 pandemic we still haven't been able to get back to what the movie theater audience was back then you know just before the pandemic we had that great run of movies like infinity war and endgame marvel themselves hasn't been able to recapture their magic we've seen a lot of their movies not meet expectations whether it be in quality of film or its grosses at the box office other than guardians of the galaxy volume 3 movies like ant-man quantum mania thor Love and Thunder, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. These movies haven't met the expectations that were set out for them, and there's a lot of reasons for that. Then you got other Disney properties like Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny that had a budget of $295 million, one of the most expensive movies to ever make, and that movie is faltering at the box office. It's not doing that bad, but because the budget was so high, it's having a hard time recouping its money. Another movie that had a huge budget and isn't doing that well domestically while it's doing great worldwide is Fast. Fast X. That movie had a $340 million budget. Movies like The Flash that had a $200 million budget that aren't even going to come close to recouping the money it needs to make to turn a profit. Now, for those who don't know, a film has to turn a profit by basically doubling its budget. So if a movie has a budget of about $200 million, it needs to make about $400 million at the worldwide box office to turn a profit because you don't take into account marketing costs and because we don't know exactly how much movies cost to market you know the safe bet is to just double its budget and assume that's the amount and now when you see grosses at the box office you got to remember each studio gets a different amount of money from each theater so i believe disney only gets about 50 percent of their u.s ticket sales and it's probably even lower internationally like if you get you know not even every movie gets released in china so that's a big deal if you can get money from the chinese box office because that's the second biggest box office in the world and not a lot of movies get released over there most famous right now barbie's not going to get released in china so you know that's no money at all coming from the chinese box office so these movies with these huge budgets are just not doing good at the box office and it looks really bad for the movie studios now the movie studios i'm sure you've seen they're making cuts all over the place mainly with their streaming services because back in 2020 when the pandemic happened they went all in on streaming services that's the future you know everyone's stuck at home now let's invest in our streaming services that's when we saw hbo max do their day and date release for all of 2021 and all those movies just did not do good at the box office because you can watch them at home disney was releasing all their movies on disney plus mainly the pixar films and look at what pixar is doing at the box office elemental had the worst pixar opening since the original toy story when people didn't even know what pixar was and a movie like that pixar used to be box office gold they're still putting out really well-made films it's just that we have trained the audiences now to know that eventually these films are going to end up on streaming services especially when you were releasing every Pixar film on streaming service since onward except for movies like Lightyear and now Elemental 
but when you put films like Turning Red, a very high quality Pixar film on Disney Plus, now people are expecting all of your films to come to Disney Plus. And if they don't, eventually they're going to end up there. And the window now is a lot shorter than it was before the pandemic. Before the pandemic, movies had about 90 days before they could hit streaming, before they can get their streaming rental rights from, you know, things like Amazon or Apple, where you can rent them for about $5.99. Now they'll come to streaming services way quicker. I believe the minimum is about 45 days now, and then you can rent it for like $19.99 at home. And you're thinking, well, no one's going to rent that for $19.99 at home. Well, look how much tickets cost now to go to the movies, especially if you want to go see a movie in like a premium theater, like say Showcase Cinema's 4D theater or their X Plus theater, or you want to go to AMC's IMAX theaters or their Dolby Cinemas, which I think is the coup de gras of all movie theater experiences. Now, a regular ticket for a Dolby Cinema here in New York is about $24. So think about it. If you rent that at home, just wait 45 days, it's only 20 bucks, and you can watch it at home and you don't have to buy concessions. And concession prices are through the roof and it's understandable if you're a movie theater because movie theaters make most of their money on concessions so they've been raising their prices slowly but surely just like everything else due to inflation they're trying to recoup their money because all of the businesses lost all that money during the pandemic and now they're trying to recoup it and unfortunately because they spent so much money mainly the movie studios as far as putting all their stuff in streaming putting all their eggs in one basket and it's not getting the financials that they expected it to get now they're basically trying to change their entire strategy start releasing movies in theaters again before they come to streaming services but then you're also seeing these streaming services pulling movies from their services and just letting them disappear most famously with hbo and batgirl but we're seeing movies not just from max but also from disney plus get just completely wiped away like they never happened you know all the artists that worked on these films they since they never had physical releases they're just gone they're just out in the ether people worked on these movies put their heart and soul into them and they're just gone now that's it they don't exist anymore unfortunately unless another studio comes in and buys the rights to that and then they can distribute it we've seen that on tv shows like westworld on hbo hbo removed all those seasons and you know unless they were released on physical and i don't believe the last season was so you only had the first few seasons physically but then the roku channel swooped in and now you can watch them on there but if no one had done that those last seasons of westworld would have just been gone and into the ether and it's a way for studios to not have to pay residuals to the artists who worked on these you know if anytime you know you've heard about friends and how much money the cast of friends just makes on syndication from the show friends and now it's obviously on streaming services and they get a cut of that as well and that's just for anything anything that gets put on streaming services just because it's on streaming services you still have to pay residuals to the artists who created that and the way the movie studios are trying to save money the way they're petty pinching we're seeing this most right now in max which you know that hbo discovery deal and then that ended up creating max they're really cost cutting every single which way they can it's still crazy to me that you get a tax break by not releasing something so even though you spent all this money to make something you get a tax write down just because you don't release it it's just a weird thing that only people with that kind of money it's something that's really there to protect these corporations that are already hurting the smaller people and clearly they're trying to hurt the artists because they're just there to help their bottom line and to help their stockholders. They're not there to care about the artists. And I understand that from a business standpoint, these are the things you need to do. I'm not there to make those tough decisions. I'm just saying it's still pretty scummy and still pretty dirty that this is the route that they've chosen to go. And I get it. You spent a lot of money in hopes that you would get that money back and it just didn't work out like you would originally plan to. And now you have to kind of try and re-guide things and hope that things go back to the way they were before the pandemic. Unfortunately, you have trained your consumers to know that that's just not how things are going to work. Everyone has just gotten used to staying home and just knowing that those movies will eventually end up on 
one of the streaming services you own, and if not, you can eventually rent it from Amazon or Apple, and you don't have to rush out into the theaters to see it. Now, this does hurt me personally. I'm a huge movie theater fan. That's my favorite place to go on Earth. I consider it my church. I just absolutely love the whole entire movie theater experience, whether it be just, you know, sitting there with a crowd, and we're all feeling the same exact energy, eating that movie theater popcorn, drinking that movie theater soda, you know, giving myself diabetes while enjoying just a film, and you know that feeling, like, even a bad movie, you still get some sort of enjoyment out of it in the theater because of the theater experience you know i'm a physical media collector i love watching movies at home i love to rewatch some of my favorite films i just love watching movies in general whether it be at home or in theaters the movie theater experience cannot be replicated at home no matter how much you try no matter what your system is it can't be brought home and to see movie theaters faltering it absolutely does hurt me i don't want movie theaters to eventually become just basically like what broadway is where you just go there for the big tentpole films and then tickets cost like 40 bucks to see the next Avengers movie on the big screen because as much as I do love superhero movies I'm not gonna lie though I have definitely gotten superhero fatigue lately I feel like that's another thing that Disney kind of did poorly was they watered down their, their MCU and Star Wars products by just beating everybody over the head with show after show movie after movie you don't realize that you've taken away that spectacle of going to see something like that on the big screen where a couple times a year you get invested into the MCU now now it had to take up all of your time and I think that's another thing that these studios have just, you know, everyone has to have their own connected universe. You don't have to do that. I really, but unfortunately, we have trained our consumers to expect that to change things. It's going to take a lot of effort. And I don't think we can. I think, unfortunately, we've kind of pushed into the world where that's just not where we can't reverse that. I Another big example of that is the movie Barbie. The New Yorker put out an article last week about Mattel wanting to make more properties like with the Hot Wheels movies. And, you know, we see this again also with the Transformers and them now trying to tie into G.I. Joe. So it's a way to sell toys while also selling their IP. And IP is what draws in crowds nowadays. And unfortunately, that's forced all of our artists like Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach, who are some of our greatest indie filmmakers of all time. Greta Gerwig is two for two in movies like Lady Bird and the remake of Little Women, which I love both of those movies, has been forced to, you know, she has a connection to Barbie. She's put her heart and soul into Barbie. But that's just the way our directors are forced to go now is to eventually end up with an IP. IP property so that you can make money because making small indie films nowadays or making just mid-budget films don't make money at the box office. Those movies get sent right to streaming. A lot of times they're just miniseries on all these streaming services. The only movies that really make money at the box office is a tentpole film, and as we've talked about earlier, they're struggling to make money at the box office or horror films. Horror films like mainly Blumhouse produced films, A24 horror produced films, those movies do make a lot of money at the box office. A, because horror fans always do come out for movies. They're basically critical proof, so it doesn't matter if a movie gets like a 30% on Rotten Tomatoes. Horror fans are going to come out for it because, A, horror fans, just like comedy fans, it's very, very subjective. You know, you can't really have a critic go in there and tell you if they like a horror film or not. We've seen it with Roger Ebert. As much as I love Roger Ebert, he's one of my favorite critics ever. He just really hated with a passion those slasher films. And I love slasher films. And I know a lot of people love slasher films. So that's just something that you can't really turn to a critic for. So they're critic proof. So that's one. And then two, their budgets are usually very, very small. Just for example, recently Insidious the Red Door had a budget of $16 million. It ended up making $33 million at the box office on its opening weekend, which basically means if you go by the rule of thumb, um, 
double its budget. It's already a profitable film, and it's only one weekend in, so you already know that movie is going to be a hit for the studio of Blumhouse. And its parent company is Universal, so that mo- that movie is a moneymaker for them. And in comparison to a movie like Indiana Jones, that has a budget of $295 million, for that movie to eventually make money, it needs to make about $600 million, and that's almost impossible with people not going to the movies as much. So we have to readjust the budgets of these movies, and we need to find a new formula that works. Now, I just want people to go to the theaters and see more dramas in theaters, like movies last year, movies like Babylon, they bombed in theaters, movies like Tar, these movies that get critically acclaimed, they just don't do good in theaters anymore. Not that Babylon was critically acclaimed, that was very mixed and had a high budget, so that's not a great example. But movies like Tar, that movie just didn't do well in the box office at all, and that was one of the best films from last year. These are the types of movies that, you know, do great on the festival circuit. They don't do good in theaters anymore. Now, there was a time when the most critically acclaimed films, like The Godfather, The Godfather not only, you know, did great at the Oscars and is one of the greatest films ever made, but it was also the highest grossing film of 1972. Now, given that's 51 years ago, things change. I think that, you know, our market has just shifted towards people are only invested in stories that they know. And the horror franchises are the real outlier in this. Not only have we lost those mid-budget drama films, but we've also lost comedies. Studio comedies do absolutely horrible in theaters. It's very rare that we see one come along and do well. The more recent Jennifer Lawrence comedy did pretty well, and that had a small budget of about $45 million, but it's even having a hard time recouping its money because it just people don't go to the theaters to see comedies anymore. When I was growing up, there was a comedy coming out at least two a month, and I would go to the theaters and see them all. It was great. You know, you had a couple laughs with your buddies. You know, that was something that you got together with your friends with. Everybody's laughing at the same jokes in the theater. I saw The Hangover in the theaters three times. That's how much I had so much fun seeing that. I couldn't hear the movie the first time I saw The Hangover in theaters because everybody was laughing so hard at what they were seeing. That is just completely gone. You know, we get like maybe one or two studio releases in theaters each year. For the most part, those get sent right to streaming along with your rom-coms. And then just same thing with the dramas. Like those really end up being those eight episode miniseries that you see on Max and Netflix or even Apple TV Plus with movies with shows like Blackbird. Like that could have been condensed and put out as a great movie. But we were able now, I guess I do appreciate these shows, these highbrow shows that do great on TV. And you get those six or seven episodes of just great drama that used to be released as films but now they get released as miniseries for show- for streamers and I understand that's where those stories go you also get to flesh out the characters a lot more a lot more character development but I've always just been a fan of movies because you know you go in there for like two to three hours you get the entire story you hopefully you get a conclusion at the end that's satisfying I mean we're seeing a lot of movies especially this summer 2023 where they're part ones to part twos much like Fast X I guess we'll get Fast X part two or whatever the hell they want to call it in like five years and then you get Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse which we know Spider-Man Beyond the Spider-Verse is supposedly coming out March 29, 2024 that's not a guarantee I'm hearing a lot of rumors that's going to get delayed and then next year we're getting Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning part two so that does keep audiences coming back the anticipation for next year that's going to increase the box office but all of this stuff it's just really scaring me. I want to see movies do good in theaters before they get put on the streaming. I just feel like streaming services have killed the theater business. The studios have told us that's what they have invested in. And when you tell the consumer that's what's more important than going to the movies, of course movie theaters are going to struggle. And we're seeing that now. Now, there is a way to save theaters. You just have to lower the budgets to these movies, do a better job marketing them. You don't need to spend $100 million marketing. Understand that marketing has changed. You got to really guide your ads. I don't think ads on TV 
TV shows anymore are really out there to sell. First of all, many people don't even have cable anymore. So making these commercials for regular shows on regular cable networks don't work anymore. So you really have to find new creative ways to sell your movie. I thought movies like Smile did a great job with how they sold their film by having that very creative way of having people just smiling. I remember the one, the person smiling at the Met game in the background. Like that was a perfect way. You got to get creative with your marketing. And I think that's the way you sell a movie nowadays. Billboards, stuff like that just doesn't do it anymore. It doesn't move the needle like you expected. And these studios are just kind of wasting money by doing that. You got to find out where the market's going. And in my opinion, that's the way you save theaters. Lower your budgets. You don't need to have $300 million budgeted films. Most of those $300 million budgeted films end up looking way worse than a movie that costs $100 million to make. So it doesn't even make sense for you to go that route. But that's just my opinion on how the theater business is going. Now, I also want to talk about the physical media business because that is also always changing as well. So as you guys know, this is a physical media channel along with a movie channel, and I'm a huge movie collector. Forever and ever, all we've been hearing about is physical media is dying. Streaming is killing physical media. Now, that's not entirely true. Physical media, I don't think will ever die. Vinyl never died. It just became a niche audience. And I think that's exactly where we'll end up with physical media. The studios, you know, they're always hit or miss whether they want to release things on 4K or not or just on Blu-ray. It really depends how the movie does in theaters. But then we also have the great boutique labels like Criterion. Arrow, Second Sight, Kino Lorber, Shout and Scream Factory. All of these studios are doing a great job releasing collector's edition Blu-rays or 4K Blu-rays for the collectors and fans of these movies out there. And I think that that's where the future is going to end up for all of movies. Now, you got to have the studios like Criterion and Kino Lorber. They're the ones that are preserving old cinema, you know, 1940s, 1950s, classic cinema. They're the ones that are keeping that alive. You got Shout and Scream Factory really keeping all the horror thrillers alive that we used to love. I still think that studios will still put stuff out. As we've noticed, though, with studio releases, the prices increased. Now 4Ks right out of the theater. Like, they're pretty much in the $30 to $35 range for a 4K. I remember last year with Bullet Train, that was just absolutely ridiculous. And that's, again, the studios just trying to recoup some of their money. But the problem is, compared to a studio release and a boutique label release, is the price and what you get in that. A boutique label, for the most part, because I have, you know, you guys have seen my reviews, some boutique labels will cheap out on certain aspects of it, but in comparison with these major studios will do, a lot of times a major studio will put a movie out on 4K, either in a steelbook or a slipcover, and that's all you would get. I'm looking at you, Tar, because as much as I love Tar and it's one of the best films, all you got was that 4K, and I spent over $30 on it, and I just got a 4K where in like three years that'll eventually end up in like the Criterion Collection, get a brand new scan, not that it needs it, and that'll have all the behind the scenes stuff the making of stuff on it do you buy a studio release right out of theaters i've actually kind of cooled off on doing that especially with studios like disney because disney again it's all about that bottom line so they withhold on their physical releases imax scenes and dolby vision which is just you know absolutely disgusting to do because most of the physical media collectors that i talk to not only subscribe to disney plus but they want to buy their 4ks the last time that i bought a 4k from disney was doctor strange in the multiverse of madness and in comparison to the disney plus stream that disc is way worse and that does that just should not make sense as we know about physical media the disc should always be better than the stream because it's not compressed so if they're the same exact qualities if they both had imax enhanced scenes dolby vision and dolby 
Dolby Audio, well, Dolby Atmos, then the disc would be better just by default in the sense that it's not being compressed as it's coming through the internet and, you know, whatever your stream quality is, it's going to look worse no matter what. But because Disney is withholding those features from physical releases, it's ended up, it's actually hurting physical releases and it's making people like myself not buy their physical releases because I could just go watch the Disney Plus stream and that is going to be the highest quality of the film where we've always been trained to think that the highest quality release is going to be physically. You know, that was always a feather in the hat of the physical media collectors out there. Like, yeah, you guys might like streaming, but we have the best quality picture and audio over here on our disc and we get to pull it off our shelf. We own it. That's the big thing with physical media is that you actually own it. They can't take that away from you. When it comes to streaming and buying stuff on like, say, Amazon or Apple, you might own it, but you really just own the rights to it temporarily. But they could get taken away from you at any time. We've seen it happen. Voodoo, any of that stuff. You kind of own it, but you don't own it, own it, if you know what I mean. If they decide to alter it, pull certain scenes out of it, I'm looking at you, the French Connection, you know, when they decided to pull stuff out of it because they didn't think it fit today's world and like people are going to get offended by it. This is a movie that came out in the early 1970s, by the way. You should not be touching that in any single which way. So, for people who had previous releases of The French Connection, now you have the definitive edition of that because it has no scenes removed from it. It's the same thing with Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Certain episodes have been pulled from Hulu, but if you happen to have those previous DVD releases, you don't have to worry about that because you still have those episodes. And that's just kind of the way things are going as far as physical media is. I just think that studios are put it out there almost like a reflex you know we were always trained back in the day you guys remember the ads you know coming soon to dvd or coming soon to vhs and dvd and then you know you knew it was coming it's coming pretty soon that was just always how it is and i feel like they still do that even if they don't really want to we know disney like they go back and forth like bob Iger has said that they're going to be concentrating more on physical media they go back and forth on whether or not they want to do it I always just well, I will always just say that physical media will never die. The worst thing that will happen to physical media is it just becomes more and more niche. I don't think these boutique labels will ever stop making 4K Blu-rays because the collectors out there, they love them. And these boutique labels put all their effort, time, and money into putting out some really high-quality discs. They're putting out such good 4K Blu-rays with some of the highest quality visuals. And then they also usually load them up with extras. So really, they're catering to the collectors, the fans of the film out there. And I really think that at the very worst... They'll still keep doing that. We just might actually end up, as far as collectors go, with some of our favorite films in the highest fashion because we usually know, like, when a studio puts out even if it's not a collector's edition, but even when they put out collector's editions, sometimes those aren't as good as if a boutique label did it. Like planes, Trains, and Automobiles. One of the worst 4K releases is actually worse than their previously released Blu-ray. That's just because Paramount just didn't put the effort into it. And Paramount, when they want to, can release some of the best 4K Blu-rays out there. I'm looking at you, Top Gun Maverick, Days of Thunder, the Mission Impossible 4Ks. But if they don't put the effort in, that's how you end up with movies like Planes, Trains, and Automobiles on 4K. And that's just because most, more than likely you're working for Paramount that's a major corporation they probably have a deadline so you have to get it out no matter what it is however it is so you don't have time to concentrate on the extras whereas a boutique label probably gets the rights to a film they don't have to rush it out when it comes it comes and then for the most part when it does come out it's usually a very high quality release and i just think that's where the future of physical media lies streaming is always going to be bigger than physical media many people don't want to have that taken up space in their house and i completely understand that i just was always one of those people that love to walk over to their shelf pull some something off look at the box art i always just appreciated the box art that was a huge deal for me i'm a big movie poster guy you lose that in the carousel on netflix and hbo and disney plus it's just not the same looking at a thumbnail as it is looking at a physical poster 
And I know that the physical media collectors out there watching this video know exactly what I'm talking about. You know, we all just grew up in the blockbuster era and we just loved going aisle to aisle, looking at the different VHSs and picking out which one we wanted to watch that day. You know, we come to, we're in a world now where you look up 36 reviews before you even see a movie. I just bought a movie based on the fact of like, oh wow, Hellraiser. I love this poster. I'm going to go check this one out. Little did I know I should have seen that movie at 10 years old, but I didn't know. I didn't look up any reviews for it. I just wanted to see Hellraiser. That's just another thing that we've lost the time as technology advances everyone's time and patience is a lot thinner now and we just don't have that same exact our time is more valuable now so we want to make sure that we're watching we're spending our time wisely watching something that we want to watch and we don't want to watch something shitty where back in the day you might have spent two hours watching a shitty movie that you had no idea was going to be that terrible but it still somehow made it worthwhile because you didn't feel like you were wasting your time back then. You didn't have to go tweet it out that you saw this movie and gave it two stars. I'm just as guilty of anyone doing that, by the way. So I'm not throwing shit at anybody. I'm not in trouble at all. I absolutely love film criticism, so don't, that's not something I'm complaining about at all. That's one of the things I'm actually glad about. But the other side of that coin is you didn't have to worry about doing that back in the day because it didn't exist. So all you did was watch a movie. If it was terrible, the worst thing is you went and told your friends, hey, you know what? Don't check out Freddy Got Fingered. It's absolutely horrible. And then, of course, my friends would be like, are you kidding me? Freddy Got Fingered is fucking hysterical. What's wrong with you? That's usually how my life went growing up, by the way. All those terrible movies that people liked, I just couldn't do it. I hate Freddy Got Fingered. <laughs> but anyway, that's my thoughts on the film business and where it's headed, what these major studios I think are going to do in the future. I'm very curious though, guys. What do you think? Do you guys agree with me? Do you think I'm way off base? Let me know in the comment section below. And then while you guys are down there, if you like this video, make sure you throw this video a like because it really does help the algorithm. And then make sure you subscribe to the channel because nothing would help us out more than that. And then if you really, really want to help us out, just go out in those streets and tell your friends about us. We'll be seeing you around.